Welcome, everybody, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the all-new, all-different X-Men, number 109, the February 1978 issue, which was on sale in November 15th of 1977, the year, I, or the, the year and the month that I was born. February 1977, huh? So you should... No, no, I was born in November. Oh, this is the cover date is 1978. <laughs> you're just all over the place, man. Well, you, okay. What I was trying to get to is this is your birth issue. You should seek out this issue and purchase it for your collection. Well, it was actually published before I was born, so maybe the next. I don't know. I guess it's, this was probably as close as it's going to get. You could get this one and the next one, and just and just call it done. That sounds expensive. <laughs> Anyway, this one's titled Home Are the Heroes. You, you can be me. And I'll drink all the time. Cause we're lovers. That is the fact. Yes, we're lovers. We'll keep us together We can be them Forever and ever Yeah, we can be heroes Just for one day What you say, I say Hooray! This one uh, is um, written by Chris Claremont and drawn by John Byrne and Terry Austin with Joe Rosen lettering and Andy Yankis coloring with Archie Goodwin editing. And we've got some sort of mystery villain on the cover, Pounding Wolverine. He calls himself Weapon Alpha. Mm-hmm. And there's a little caption saying, Wanted Wolverine dead or alive. And he says, You can't stop me, X-Men. Weapon Alpha always gets his man, eh? <laughs> That's sort of misleading. <laughs> oh, is it? Well, I mean, how can he always get his man if this is his first mission? No, that's a good point. But that's a spoiler. That's so. a total spoiler for this issue. <laughs> uh, are we under the impression that John Byrne drew this cover or that... Uh... Nope, this is still Dave Cockrum. This is a Cockrum cover. Really? Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good one, actually, for, for Dave Cockrum. So Colossus, Banshee, and Storm look very Cockrum-esque, but I gotta say, Weapon Alpha here, he looks very John Byrne to me. He he doesn't look Cockrum to me, let's put it that way. I feel like he does look Cockrum. I mean, and the difference for me is the thickness of the lines and the shadowing, the inking. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Terry Austin is the inker on this cover, though, so maybe that's the impression you're getting of the uh, the John Byrneism. <clears throat> that could well be. So uh, let's uh, let's open this thing up. What do you say? Okay. <laughs> no, let's not do it this time. <laughs> no, let's just uh, let's just end it here. Well, so we open up this issue, and all of the X-Men at the very same time are pushing their way through the front door of the mansion. 
And apparently there's a cameraman waiting because they all line up in a nice pose for <laughs> the the, uh, uh, the yearbook picture here. And for some reason, Nightcrawler is bamfing in. Yep. Wolverine. Uh, well, what's really weird here is at some point, all of the X-Men stopped somewhere and got new clothing. Right. <laughs> Except for Lilandra. They decided like, well, let's all change into plain clothes. Uh, and let's keep in mind that they were at Misty Knight and Jean Grey's apartment. So are we led to believe that Jean keeps a spare set of clothes for all these X-Men? Or is maybe, it maybe that's something you just gotta do? Or is it more likely that they stopped at their local Bloomingdale's and picked out new outfits? What doesn't make sense is that Wolverine is saying, "Man, I gotta get out of these alien threads before I start climbing the walls." Right. Well, he put a costume on, or he put he put like a shirt and pants on over this costume. Why didn't he just get rid of the costume? And that's what I'm trying to get at here. Is like somewhere along the line, they all stopped to get new clothing. And Wolverine decided to put clothing on top of his alien threads and then complain about his alien threads. <laughs> it, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make much sense. It's clearly here so that we know where his suit went. It's good to know that Wolverine, I mean, I'm sorry, it's good to know that Cyclops is back to looking like a dork. <laughs> <laughs> that, that never changes. He's definitely uh, upgraded his style to the 70s, though. He's got some 70s duds on. His hair's flat, but he's got like a little wispy bang going on above his sunglasses. <laughs> Marvel girl. Or I should say Phoenix. She's got like the Farrah Fawcett wings going on with her hairdo. And for some reason, Moira McTaggart looks like a little schoolboy. I think she looks more like a little schoolboy. She's dressed in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of weird, but... And where's her body? Uh, behind Nightcrawler. Really? Mine's covered, like, below Nightcrawler's um, right arm. It's just brown and shaded. Oh, I suppose that would be Moira's skirt. Is she wearing a skirt? I don't know. I, I'm just imagining she is, because that's the only thing that I could possibly be. What color is it in yours? Well, if you yeah, if you turn the page, she is wearing a striped... Something. I can't tell if oh. it's pants or a skirt. It's like pinstripe pants or something. Yeah, so okay. I guess that's what it is. All right, fair enough. Not a good look for Moira, I I think. Although, you know, some women can definitely pull this off. Yeah, no, not Moira. Certainly not in these poses. She gets mad at Nightcrawler for teleporting in. Uh, Nightcrawler apparently was the only one that had enough sense to be like, hey, man, everybody was pushing through the door at the same time, so I'm going to teleport in. For some reason, everybody stopped in the doorway, and it ticked me off. <laughs> so I teleported in front of them. Nobody beats Nightcrawler at a race. It's like they were all posing for a photo. Yep. It, it totally was. Uh, and then uh, the only person that wasn't represented in that doorway shot was Banshee, and he comes he comes tearing in and grabs Moira and says, Shut up and kiss me, darling. And she says, Banshee. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as the narration box says, the X-Men quickly separate. Uh, Storm heads upstairs to her loft apartment, where she comments on her plants and their mistreatment by Moira. Is this the well, first... she doesn't think they're mistreated. Wow. They're not as treated, uh, not not as well treated as, as Storm does. But Storm is able to cast, like, uh, these little mists and, and tiny little storms that bathe them in a summer showers and... Yeah. And then heat them up afterwards. And 
Oh, we should also point out that the the grays are with the X-Men still. Ah, yes, they are. And they're in the backdrop there. Uh, anyways, uh, is this the first time we're seeing Storm's loft room? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think it is, too. I don't think we've really established where anybody sleeps in the mansion. I think this is the first issue that we do that. So Storm's got her loft up in the attic, and that's where she's got her plants hanging out and stuff. And for whatever reason, because she lives in the loft of the mansion, it's okay for her to cast thunderstorms inside of the mansion. Sure. Because apparently as a part of the deal of her joining the team and living with the X-Men, she's like, Professor, you must waterproof my room so that when I cast a storm, it doesn't leak into the living room. Or do you think she just has such amazing control of her power that she it doesn't leak? Oh, maybe maybe she's able to cast a storm in such a way that none of the water actually falls to the ground. Yeah, I, mean, I maybe she casts the sun uh, over and and all the water evaporates before it hits the ground or something. That's a possibility. I, I had not considered that as a possibility. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so not only does she make a little rain shower for her plants, she decides that it looks so lovely that she needs to indulge in this. So she takes all of her clothes off, gets naked, and she showers with her plants. It's sexy. <laughs> this is the second time she has done this in, in the uh, comic. She's making love to her ficus. I don't well, I don't even know what that means. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what happens in my issue. But... <laughs> oh, I have a special uh, director's edition here. <laughs> the, the all John Byrne edition. All the panels he drew but couldn't use. There's some racy stuff in here. <laughs> well, anyways... Uh, so the thunder and lightning continues in the upstairs attic, so much so that John Gray from the downstairs could have sworn that he heard a thunderstorm right ahead. But how could it be? There's no clouds in the sky. His wife, more of a realist, says, John, forget the weather. We need to talk about our daughter. <laughs> oh, John, what's happened to her? Uh, Cyclops points out to Marvel or to Phoenix that the, her parents look a little freaked out. Uh, if you couldn't tell by now, this is very much a uh, slow-down, reset, exposition issue, So, which is, which is good. So there'll be a lot of descriptions about what's going on in terms of the X-Men's daily lives. But first we get Jean Grey and Scott Summers looking at their parents, talking about how scared stiff they look at our awesome 70s duds. <laughs> And uh, Marvel Girl decides to launch into a little bit of a story about how they got from their, basically, the apartment in which they were into the sky, or I mean into the stars, and then back to the mansion, which is all stuff that probably should have been included in the last issue. Right. Um, but instead, we I guess they were running out of space, so they just cut straight to that, we're home panel. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so that's what happened in the last issue. But in this issue, so they, they kind of uh, elaborate a little bit more on that. They talk about how Lilandra is, she is now the Empire. She is now ready to rule, but uh, some advisor comes by. He's got a white feather head. He says, uh, well, you are, but you aren't. There's some laws. You're a traitor, but you were right. So we got to sort this thing out. So you can't be here for now. And uh, 
That's when court no sense. Yeah, no. Just trying to insert some galactic legalese or something like that. Of course, you it... were right in what you did, even though what you did makes you a traitor. We know that now, so you will be crowned. We've already decided, but it's going to take time. It's just dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily, this all happens though because the Imperial Guard were about to attack all of the X Men. Right. Corsair approaches uh, Phoenix and says, hey, uh, it would be better for everybody if Scott never learns I'm his father. You're wrong, Corsair. It won't be the first time. I'm glad you love him. Oh, I forgot. The I wish I loved him less. I... Then this wouldn't hurt as much. He's all a father could wish for, Gene. I can tell. Name <laughs> <laughs> us up, Gemma. I had forgotten about the Corsair voice. <laughs> <laughs> and Storm has overheard the conversation and says that Corsair had no right to ask uh, Phoenix to keep this secret. Phoenix is like, yeah, but how could I turn him down? I was inside him. I mean, I was inside his mind. <laughs> I know the horrors. He I know the horrors he's lived through. Yep, and, and Storm wonders what, what happens when Scott finds out, blah, 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 blah. Phoenix is like, that's a risk I'll have to take. Let's go to the Stargate. I'm suddenly very, very tired. <laughs> and there's somebody from the bug ship. I don't know. I don't think that's the Starjammer. I think it's something else. But they say that the uh, the Stargate is all powered up and ready to go back to Earth. And so, so they do. And that kind of catches us up to where we left off in the last issue and then takes us back to the mansion where we started in this issue. It's a little odd storytelling, but whatever. So her parents, Jean's parents, want to talk to her about what's going on. And, and she says, yeah, yeah, you're right. We better do that. And Scott says, Jean, do you want me to come along? No, Scott, if you don't mind, I think we'd rather be alone. And that's when Scott turns into, like, a teenage boy. I understand. But what about you and me, Gene? When are we going to talk? You've changed since you've become the phoenix. (laughs) Changed even more since you faced the neutron galaxy. I need to talk to you, woman, about us, about Corsair. This crazy feeling that I know him. But every time I try, something comes up. Well, there's always Brother Alex. At which point we realize that uh, rather than ever seeing how Alex and Lorna get over the sway of Eric the Red, we learn in a word balloon that uh, Alex and Lorna went to Moira McTaggart's uh, island. He and Lorna Dane wanted some time to themselves to get their heads Back in order after Charles freed them from Eric the, the Red's mind lock. They'll be helping Jamie Madrox fix up, fix up me lab. Yeah, they just wanted some private time, if you know what I mean, with the multiple man. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like three-way? No way. How about 13-way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Alex is not around for Cyclops. And so once again, he's all by himself. I'm disappointed in the off-panel explanation of. Yeah, no kidding. Show us something. I mean, that was a major plot point when they turned evil. 
Yeah. Give us a couple of panels of like, oh, Lorna, like I'm so tired of the superhero thing and getting turned evil. Isn't it the second time for Lorna? Well, she just wanted to be with Alex. Alex was the one who didn't want to be a superhero because he was afraid his power was too risky. No, but isn't this the second time she's been turned evil? Like when we first met her, wasn't she bad girl? Because she thought no, she was Magneto's daughter? she was just daughter? under a brainwash. She walked across the country for some reason. Oh, that's right. <laughs> okay. So Alex and Lorna are just not well established at this point. No. <laughs> we get a weird interlude. Somebody's target marked, tracking systems locked on. He's stationary at the moment. Estimate primary contact in two hours. So if you're reading along like I am, I'm assuming that somebody's tracking Cyclops. <laughs> yep, yep, that's how the story's flowing, it seems. Although, if you look at the monitor, it does say Weapon X. Hmm. And that's about it. Beneath that, it says Busy Ruth End. <laughs> I was trying to read that. It apparently <laughs> says nothing. Well, on the next page, uh, we see a glimpse into Nightcrawler's bedroom. Apparently, he is quite the film buff, and his bedroom is riddled with one poster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and no movie memorabilia yet. The narrator decides to call him a film buff. They see, calls his room uh, a room that's a film buff's idea of heaven. Mm-hmm. There is a picture of Amanda, whom we met earlier in the series, um, I guess on his desk. And yeah. he's calling Amanda and asking what she's up to. And uh, What do you mean, Kurt, who? Very funny, Hubchas Madchen. Hipschus Mädchen. Hipschus Mädchen. Hipschus Mädchen. That, that means... Pretty girl. Pretty girl. <laughs> Thank you, Google, for that for that wonderful English. <laughs> I wish the English side didn't sound like it was shouting at us. Pretty girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine that's how Nightcrawler says it in the phone, too. Funny pretty girl. Listen, are you doing anything this evening? You're not? And uh, so he scores a date with Amanda, he does a flip in the air, and then he teleports... Wunderbar! He says. It's Wunderbar. Wunderbar. He's very excited. Yeah. I'm going to find my Wunderbar! And apparently in his bedroom, affixed to the ceiling, he has essentially a jungle gym. That's where he sleeps. <laughs> Hanging upside down like Batman. Mm -hmm. Do you see that in the second panel? I do. And the third panel. Yeah, it's weird. Well, he teleports down to Peter Rasputin's room. And he is trying to write a letter to his mother and father, talking about how they were saving the universe, but uh, he's not very good with letters. So, uh, Dear Mama and Papa, I am sorry I have not written, but my friends and I were busy saving the universe. <laughs> what were you doing in the Ustodinsky? Plowing? I saved you. Um, do you think he's writing in English or do you think he's writing in Russian? Um, judging by the, the, the image, it looks like he is writing in scribble. <laughs> okay. It actually says nothing. He's thinking the words he wants to write down, but really it's just a bunch of scribblies. 
so I guess I'm just wondering, like, is, is Peter not smart? Is he trying to write English? Uh, what's going on here? What's the deal? Why is he no good at letters? Oh, is he no good at writing letters? Oh, duh. So he's just not a, a good letter writer. <laughs> wow. I literally thought, like, I do not know how to spell. <laughs> letters trouble me. I, I do not understand. I like to draw pictures for letters. Okay. I would rather see my parents, he says, and then sniff, sniff. Although I, I suppose that would be. <laughs> yeah. And you think he would have heard the bamf as Nightcrawler entered the room, but. Meh. I don't know. Maybe maybe he only bamps when he disappears, not when he re reappears. Yeah, that could be. Do you think Nightcrawler's gone through everybody's room so that he can bamf everywhere? Well, he would have had to because we've already established that he can't go anywhere he hasn't already seen. So somehow he knew he was going to be able to teleport into Colossus's room upside down and on the roof without interfering with, like, a ceiling fan or a light or whatever. That would have been a <laughs> choop, 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 choop. Ah, my feet! <laughs> Colossus, for the love of God, I'm stuck in the fan! It is a part of me now. Well, he invites Colossus uh, on a double date uh, with Betsy. I guess Betsy was who the other woman was that they went out on a date with. I am surprised Elizabeth even remembers me. Look at the uh, garbage can. There's He's like tried to write this letter like 20 times. There's crumpled up paperwork. Like It looks like it's full to the brim. There's at least three papers on the bottom. There's two papers on his desk. Well, he's not good with letters. He tried to he's write... really bad at letters. He tried to write dear, but he wrote T-H... Oh, <laughs> damn it, not again. <laughs> I don't understand what is what was wrong with his letter before. I mean, well, see, so he talks about saving the universe. I mean, that's what he did. I, I go back to what I said. He's thinking these words, but really on the paper, it's just like stars, lightning bolts, <laughs> little maze, picture no. of Nightcrawler, a clover, a horseshoe. <laughs> We're going to see Star Wars, says Nightcrawler. It's one of my favorite films. You know, half the cast look like my relations. <laughs> Especially, Especially the Wookiee, eh? Yes, I would like to, but I'm going on a picnic with Moira and Sean Cassidy. Talk about a third wheel. Not only is he bad at letters, he's bad at dates. Well, yeah, but that's because we don't know who else is coming along. Well, that's a good point. I guess we'll have to stay and read. Well, Nightcrawler, <laughs> he's not uh, hes uh, not too distracted by that, so he teleports off to find somebody else and find somebody else he does. He finds Cyclops, who is brooding in, I don't know, the smoking room. The brooding room. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes. And he doesn't expect oh. anybody to be in the brooding room, but somebody is because he's surprised and says, Scott. What I... are you doing in the brooding room again? I'm brooding. <laughs> um, do we do, have we done was ist yet? Was ist? Oh, that just means what is. We can skip that one. Was ist. Okay. What does it mean? What is? That doesn't make any sense. Was ist das? What is that? Was ist? What is? Oh, it just means what, according to Google. Well, Google doesn't know everything. And it's pronounced was ist. Was means what. Was ist is more like what is. Like type in... Scott is apparently watching Jean talk to her parents uh, through a window. 
which is kind of scary. He's creepy. He wonders if he's intruding, and Cyclops is like, nope. I'm just creepily staring at my alien entity girlfriend and her parents talking through the glass. And she transforms from Jean Grey to Phoenix, showing her parents, and her mom starts crying into her father's lapel. They are taking it hard. Yep. I like that her hair looks like it's on fire. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a good effect. Cool. And, uh, let's see. Uh, Cyclops is kind of uh, admonishing Nightcrawler, saying that, like it or not, life is difficult. Life isn't like swashbuckling adventures and circus stunts. You you swashbuckler, you. <laughs> you swashbuckling circus stunter. <laughs> I have a name, Scott. Kurt Wagner, Remember? Such a bitterness in his voice. I have never heard it's like from Scott before. I'm stuck on a Russian. I know. I, I was kind of dipping in there as well. And he says, you think this is all fun and games? Look at me. I'm blue and furry. Yeah, maybe I never had any optic beams, but look at me. And then Nightcrawler tries to have a heart-to-heart with Cyclops. We are what we are, Scott. Wishing won't change a blessed thing. Nor will feeling sorry for yourself. I learned very early on that I must either accept what I am or go mad. And though I am now occasionally crazy, I'm not insane. If you keep tearing your guts apart every time you think the world shafted you, my friend, you'll destroy not only yourself, but those who love you. Die! Top of the morning to you, Kurt! You're coming on our picnic, are you? And Nightcrawler thinks to himself, Blast you, Sean. Your timing rots. I was reaching Scott. I was so close. How does he know he was so close? Scott has his back turned to him and hasn't said anything. Well, but we get a little bit more on that. Uh, So Nightcrawler can predict the future? Well, good point. Banshee's like, Oh, man, I must have busted in on something. Cyclops or Nightcrawler dismisses it and says, Okay, we're ready for a picnic. They invite Cyclops. Cyclops is like, no, Nightcrawler's or Kurt has given me a lot to think about. Oh, and on there, I wonder how Scott took what I said. I was pretty rough on him. Wouldn't be surprised if he belted me. I want to see that. <laughs> Just stop. Scott turns around. Shut up, Nightcrawler. <laughs> I told oh, you not Benji. to have. A, I told you not to have a heart to heart with me. Um. So. Uh, Cyclops also almost calls uh, Sean Banshee, but stops midway. So it's like we're trying to bust Scott out of his little shell and say, look, you're not always on duty. Like, you can have some friends, and we could be those friends. Yeah. And they're almost ready. Storm's going to join them on their picnic. And that's when Wolverine comes in and says, it's five. I'm coming along. But, and they are surprised because Wolverine's not the social to bite the the social type sociable <laughs> type. <laughs> he's all dressed. issue. He's all dressed up in his Wolverine duds, which is a little weird. I've been out of the woods too long. I'm itching to do some hunting. Storm freaks out. She's like, "You would take the lives of innocent animals not for survival, but merely for sport." Even if I would, Broad, what flaming business of his of yours? I said hunting, honey bunch. I said nothing about killing. 
takes no skill to kill. What takes skill is sneaking up close enough to a skittish doe to touch her. Wolverine, I am sorry. I misjudged you. I could care less, Roro. You've all been misjudging me since the day I joined this turkey outfit. Turkey. <laughs> turkey. And that's when we go back to a bunch of maple leaf helmeted people who are finding the scanner. The target is moving and they're going to have to adjust their course. So apparently whoever they're tracking has some sort of sensor on them. If Duck stays with us, we'll be on top of Weapon X before he knows what hit him, says a shield agent. A maple leaf shield agent, I think. Yeah, this is like the Canadian division of shield or something. Yeah, we're shield, eh? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go get Weapon X. You want a jelly? You like a brewski? <laughs> we got Molson, it's cold. So <laughs> they, they, we flip back to Wolverine who is in the woods uh, he had no intention of ever going on that picnic with those folks. Uh, he's been hunting for a couple of hours, and he finds a doe that he's sneaking up on, and he's almost there when the doe looks up because of a alien sound and takes off. And that's when Weapon Alpha bursts through the ground and says... Hey, recognize me, Weapon X? James McDonald's Hudson at your service. Although these days I'm better known as Weapon Alpha, eh? You hoser. Oh, I'm not going to be able to keep up with your consistent <laughs> Canadian accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we, interesting note that this, like the, the, the picnic grounds uh, in the caption says that this is somewhere that Moira and uh, Charles Xavier used to go. Yes. It was one of their favorite special hideaways, but she doesn't tell anybody that. I think that's kind of a crappy thing to do. Take like your new boyfriend and a couple of your friends to your special spot that you used to go with your ex-boyfriend who you now kind of live with. Uh, she doesn't know where else to go. She doesn't know any places. <laughs> All right. I suppose. And anyways, so... Yes, I, I try not to take... Uh, a date to a place I've already been. It's true. <laughs> well, especially like a special place. Like this is the place where we proposed our love to one another and now we broke up. So I'm taking you there. Isn't that going to be fun? <laughs> I don't love you as much as that other person, but. We had bagels and donuts and bagels and donuts are very similar. We noticed it was so much fun. Oh. So Weapon Alpha is telling Wolverine that the vacation is over and it's time to come back to Canada. I resigned, Jimmy boy. You were there when I sliced Chasen's tie. I'm a free agent and I like it. No way I am going back for you or for anyone. Was he there in Giant Sized X-Men 1? Well, I think by there they mean working for, oh. or like at Alpha Base. <laughs> okay. I don't think anybody was in the room. You always were a royal pain in the butt, Logan. Short and arrogant and feisty. as your namesake, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's time you learned your manners, Pipsqueak. Should Wolverine have a Canadian accent too? <laughs> well, technically, I guess he should, but he's never portrayed that way in the movies or the cartoons. And I think you're the man enough to teach him to me, huh, Jimmy? <laughs> hey. 
Yeah. So, anyways, they fight. And uh, we learn that Jimmy, or uh, Weapon Alpha, has got some sort of powered battle suit. And he throws a monster punch right cross across Wolverine's face. Yep. Which is a nice, nice image of Wolverine's jaw kind of flying open. Wolverine's a little, he's, he's talking a big game, but he's a little concerned because he's like, wow, that punch really hurt. It almost took my head off. Uh, cripes, you can fly, he says when a weapon alpha starts flying. How perceptive, ground dog. And then dives in and uh, just tackles him. Yes, he does. Into the ground. And uh, we flip our attention over to the lakeside where... Sean and Moira, well, Sean is throwing Moira up into the air. He's a strong dude. I just, I, I just want to mention, I, I really like these, uh, these word, uh, these, these word bubbles, the Wolverine's thoughts. This is like the more characterization of Wolverine than we've seen at all at this point. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. I agree. It's kind of, we get this like less self-confident guy. I feel like this Wolverine almost doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, exactly. Well, but don't forget that we haven't established any of his powers yet, other than the fact that he's got adamantium claws and heightened instincts. Yeah. Right, so he is a little bit more vulnerable, I mean, I guess in the eyes of the writer, because I am not convinced that the writer has yet fully fleshed out his powers. Oh, I don't I don't think so either, but I, I, I just, I like it. Yeah. Well, I also liked the line earlier about the hunting stuff. I mean, I thought that added a little bit of good characteristics to him as well. Yeah, for sure. This is like Wolverine's. This is this is the first really compelling Wolverine ness. This is his coming out story. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, boys! It's Wolverine. I don't hey, like Bob. to kill. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways. Uh, yeah. Yes. The rest of the X-Men. The rest of the X-Men are picnicking and talking about how beautiful it is out there and talking a little bit about their homelands. And Colossus says something about, or uh, uh, Storm says, I wish I didn't have to hide behind these absurd scraps of clothes. Colossus says, you remember what happened when you went uh, swimming in the mansion's pool. So did we see that in classic X-Men or did we see that in X-Men X-Men? That was in classic X-Men. Okay. So, so Chris Claremont clearly was like, I'm going to go back and show that scene someday. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I mean, that's kind of neat, I suppose. No, it's not. Anyways, uh, just referencing it is good enough. Um, Storm wants to know about Colossus's homeland. Colossus tries to articulate it. He talks about how summer's beautiful, winter's awesome, and when the snow comes down... Time stands still and machines and bell. You just have to come sometime. I can't tell you any more about it. <laughs> I have not the words. I can only take you there, show you. This he's terrible. He he can't write it out. He can't explain it. <laughs> yeah. It's like he, what is he going to tell his parents? Uh, I saved the universe. Ah, <laughs> I have to show you. <laughs> I cannot tell you. I I show you. Come to this this uh, gate, the Stargate. Well, just then, Wolverine comes crashing through the woods and into a tree. With a mighty shree-wham! He is unconscious, Peter. 
See to him, Aurora, and get Banshee. I will face whoever attacked him. And that's when Weapon Alpha says, Stay out of this, you people. Uh, you better do it. <laughs> Stay out of this, you people. Eh? My business is Weapon X. Eh? Eh? <laughs> and once I get that uh, Weapon X, I'm going to go get me some Molson. Mmm, I love that ice cold Molson. <laughs> hockey? Uh, hockey is good. You know who's I'm just going to throw in a random word <laughs> here and there. Uh, Ottawa. I like this next thing. They're they're kind of facing off with each other, and then we get three panels in which Colossus throws a punch, and then in the middle panel, he's transforming over to his metallic Colossus state. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth panel, he pit he punches uh, James McDonald across the forest. It's pretty cool. Wow, that that guy that clown turned into a man of steel. Kind of like a Superman. <laughs> that's that's no good. That is you not good at all. Now. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox is from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> we should stop fighting and watch some Family Ties. Hey. Is Family Ties out at this point? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, uh, so he picks up a tree and he's getting ready to swing it at somebody, but Storm destroys it with a lightning bolt. Uh, Weapon Alpha fires back uh, at Storm, but I guess uh, Colossus gets in the way, and the blast ricochets off of him and hits Moira in the head. It's true. And she goes, argh, and falls into the water, and Banshee dives in and after her and, and rescues her. Seems to be praised. I got her out in time. She's still breathing, but she's out cold and that's a nasty burn across her forehead. She could have a concussion or worse. I better take her to the hospital. Oh, wait. No, I better not do that. Instead, I'm going to attack this guy. Yeah. Yep. And so he does a full-out scream and starts flying towards Weapon Alpha. But Weapon Alpha, he don't care. He just whacks him aside. It looks like he just gets out of the way. (laughs) Oh, you're right. He does. He just sidesteps and and banshee goes screaming in past him uh, Wep- stupid banshee <laughs> weapon alpha recognizes banshee from the old interpol flyer it's very handy that he was just reviewing those i guess yeah you never know <laughs> he's not sure how much more uh, uh his battle suit can cope with so he's going to he's going to leave he's going to take off he's going to run away He's done with this fight. He flies away, and it turns out that Storm and Banshee can fly. And he's like, oh, man, can't believe it. This this sucks. (laughs) Well, James Hudson's no fool. He'll be back, X-Men, once he's found out who you are. But right now, I'm going to watch the Maple Leafs take the pendant. (laughs) Because that's what they do, eh? Yeah. All right, take off, Hoser. And he pops away. He's gone. And then Storm creates a uh, storm, as, as, her, as her name implies, that is intended to uncover him if she is around, but he's not around anymore. Yep. And that's when Banshee realizes, well, we've been up here for a half hour. Come on, Storm, we're wasting our time up here. We better, we better get back. And then Storm says, I agree, my friend. Banshee signaling, signaling us back to the lake. And Banshee says, no, I'm not. I'm right here. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. 
Yeah, Banshee's signaling us back to the lake, even though she's flying right next to Banshee. <laughs> there is somebody down there who is signaling them to come back, though. Yeah, it's it's probably Wolverine or Colossus. Well, Colossus is holding yeah, Moira, Moira, so it's must gotta be Wolverine. Be Wolverine. Hmm. So they land. Wolverine says, uh, "Yeah, I, I know him. We're buddies, almost brothers." I'm sorry, folks, but today's fracas was just the beginning. And from here on out, things are going to get worse. Oh, Futzer. <laughs> that little Futzer used to be my, can- my my hockey partner. Next issue, Shadow of the Gun. It's true. I cannot tell a lie. Next issue is, in fact, Shadow of the Gun. <clears throat> so there you go. Uh, if you ever wanted to know what happens between the X-Men saving the galaxy and whatever the next story is, this is what it was. There you go. <laughs> um, all in all, it's a pretty good story, i got to be honest. I mean, lots of good characters. Uh, yeah, I agree. This is probably one of the best ones yet. Um, and I don't... I, I, I feel like it's... Uh, I don't know if it's just because it's all Wolverine and like it's a, it's a really compelling delving into the mystery of who is Wolverine. We get some some weird his relationship with uh, Alpha Base, and we get his relationship to animals and his kind of honorable spirit. Uh, word on the street is that if if the legend is true, uh, Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum were trying to figure out a way to kind of get rid of Wolverine oh. and write him out of the comic. But John Byrne thought he was super awesome. So I'm I'm speculating that based on what I've read that John Byrne probably had a lot to do with the uh, bringing Wolverine in, uh, into the story of this. Well, thank you, John Byrne, for not letting this poor character die. Because, yeah, up until now... There's Wolverine's pretty been a, pretty much a one note character. I mean, we get the fact that he has a berserker rage, which is interesting, and that he's some sort of million dollar project. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like that how this is kind of delving into not only his past but his character. Agreed. And we get some Colossus stuff too, which is kind of ridiculous. I can't write, nor can I talk. <laughs> I have to show you. I can't even show you. This is horrible. I am a bad person. <laughs> Nobody should like me. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, before we get on to our spectacular spoiler section, uh, what did we get for letters this week, Adam? We got a, a letter slash comment from Stephen Starr. I love the podcast, guys. I've been listening now for about four months and enjoy them immensely. Keep up the great work. I want to answer your musing on who Shara and Kiethri are. They are the gods of the Shi'ar who were forced to marry each other even though they didn't want to. But in that marriage, they found strength and prosperity, which is used by the Shi'ar as justification for their conquering slash marrying of other races to strengthen the empire. Little factoid there. Interesting. I was doing some searches for some of the international iTunes reviews, and I discovered that we have five five star Canadian uh, reviews, which which hopefully Jeremy can find and read in his pitch accurate, perfect Canadian accent. Well, now that I'm on the spot, it's not going to work. 
he's partially Canadian, eh? <laughs> yeah, I come from Ottawa. Oh. Yeah, that's that's up there. That's in the that's in the Northland, the Great White North. It's what we call it there. The first one's from Bob nineteen eighty two six two five Bob. Love it, mm-hmm. love it, love it. Listen to everyone. Don't stop, eh? <laughs> <laughs> the next one is by Boogie one thirty eight. What a great podcast! Funny and informative. Subjective lol. That's a laugh out loud, by the way. This has been to a uh, been a great listen. After discovering the podcast, eh, I started combing uh, through the episodes uh, and found out that they are just a bunch of hosers, but but they do a good job of breaking down each issue, eh? commenting with a sense of humor and uh, a real good wit. Uh, they have a real good love of the property, much like we like the the, the uh, hockey. Eh? I cannot wait to see <laughs> where this goes. I hope these gents continue for as long as possible. I'm on episode 21 now, and, and after a few weeks of listening, every chance I can say it's not only getting better and better with every episode, but becoming a natural part of Public commuting and walks to my local comic shop, eh? Well done. Well, we're going to lose a lot of our Canadian listeners after this episode, (laughs) but, eh, you know, it's worth it. Uh, We love Canada. (laughs) Who doesn't love Canada? Uh, B. Brown 426, I have enjoyed reading along with you guys and hearing your comments. Eh? Eh. (laughs) And cirrhosis. Ooh, gross. Cirrhosis 34. I'm just not gross. It's a condition. It's not your fault. I understand. There's a cream for it, though. Uh, I, don't, I don't think this is spelled that way. But <laughs> oh, uh, uh, please keep uh, the show coming. Eh? I recently came back to reading the old series, and this is a great companion. Thank you. It's a good companion, like Molson's a good companion. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and left Arithi. I'll second that. Awesome, eh? So love from Canada. Thank you to our Canadian. Uh, listeners yes our our canadian regiment of the uh, podcast following i wonder how many of there of you there are well what we can only see five of them well only five of them have reviewed mm. we got a letter from uh david Steele, uh telling us that the imperial guard uh were based on members of the legion of superheroes this was a deliberate act by dave cockram who had drawn legion stories of dc a little while before mm. starting on the x-men Storm and Nightcrawler were created by Cockrum and intended to be Legion members. The Legion and Guard members are quite easy to match up. Oracle is Dream Girl, Scuba Mask Guy is Wildfire, Hobgoblin is Chameleon Boy, uh, Colossal Boy, Timber Wolf. I don't know who the Legion of Superheroes are. Do you? No, no. But the Legion Companion uh, book from Tomorrow's Publishing has an interview where Cockrum discussed all of this. Didn't we discuss that uh, Gladiator seemed like he was Superman? But I'm gathering he must not be. Uh, no, no. Well, I don't know. Maybe he was. But I, it seems to me that um, Claremont, I mean, like, Claremont had, like, created Gladiator to Ken, the Star Jammers, to maybe have a longer role. Because they're pretty much the only ones that got lines in the story. And the rest of those people were just kind of, like, fighting fodder, basically. Fighting fodder. <laughs> just people for the X-Men to fight. But it makes sense. I mean, it's got to be... I can't imagine coming up with like 20 new character designs for basically two large splash screens. Or, or splash scenes, right? For characters that you're not going to maintain. Well, I mean, some of them will be back. Some of them will be, yes. Actually, probably a lot of them will be. So that's uh, that's what we got from David Steele there. This Basically, this is the Answer Our Question edition. Oh, right. Um, Holden Atreides writes in that we asked what a binary system was. 
and he says it's a it's a star system that has two stars. Oh. And he also wants to know what that Star Trekking Across the Universe song is. It is literally called Star Trekking Across the Universe. I remember it from childhood, but I have no idea what it's from or I, where it came from. I don't know. Where, I found it on YouTube, but I recall uh, some of our friends, either Drew or Scott, singing it a lot. And so when... It came time to pick a song for the end. That just popped in my head, and I, I had never actually really heard it. So I Googled it, and I found it, and the rest is history. Brilliant, eh? Eh, yeah. yeah it's just like Canada, you know. Good stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> Edward Gibson 3 writes in to say, You guys asked a few questions about Wolverine putting on Fang's suit in X-Men 107, and there was an actually a reason that he has heard and read about over the years. Apparently, Cockrum didn't like Wolverine's costume and had been looking for a reason and way to change it, but hadn't found one just yet. The opportunity finally presented itself in the battle with the Imperial Guard, so Cockrum had him put on the outfit to replace his old one. The plan was that he would continue wearing it even when the X-Men returned to Earth. But John Byrne took over the following issue and disliked the costume because he had to draw all of the teeth. <laughs> the make up the belt over and over got sick of it and so had wolverine go back to his yellow and blue costume for the better if you ask me yeah that i don't know that, that was very is a very saber toothy costume i think the fang suit sucked <laughs> the fang suit sucked <laughs> now if you can find that song then we're on to something if you can name the song that i am like parodying then I'm really impressed. I I can't. Perhaps a listener can figure it out. What else we get? That's all we got in the way of email this week. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for chiming in, helping us answer our questions. So, without further ado, it's the time that you've been waiting for. The time when we jump into the classic X-Men. The retelling, sometimes, if you will. That we usually incorporate the word craptastic into the title of. Yes. And craptastic, it starts off as, uh, this is classic X-Men number 16 with a cover date of December. Don't care when it was actually really released. Uh, it has just, it's a terrible cover. Well, it's 1987. We know that at least. Uh, well, the, 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 um, date under Art Adams' name is 6887, but he could have drawn this long before this actually came out. But yes, 1987 is when uh, the year that it was released. But look at this cover. Uh, it's Al terrible. Weapon Alpha. Uh, he, he looks, he's grinning. <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm Weapon Alpha, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and Wolverine, he's just got like some horrible huge chin that's sticking out. This is bad. It's, a, it's just bad. It's a bad cover. Shame on you, Art Adams. That's a bad, bad, bad cover bad cover the internal cover though or the inside cover that he does is better much better yeah mm -hmm. this is like a semi-classic wolverine-esque type deal yeah nice little uh, wolverine coming through the woods uh, obviously hunting that doe that we were talking about earlier so uh kieran dwyer is helping us out with the retconny stuff and for that He's we can still around today is he yeah Hopefully he's gotten a little bit better than what he uh, provided us in this issue. I believe he has. I don't know. Okay. Well, we 
we'll go to page six. Indeed, uh, <clears throat> that we basically get the inter the interlude, the first interlude where they were tracking Weapon X gets extended yes. into a scene where it turns out that the person searching for information about Weapon X is James Hudson. And uh, we get a little bit of backstory, and he talks about how Wolverine has adamantium skeletons and a healing factor, and how he was his old friend. Mm-hmm. The complete war, eh? The complete warrior, skeleton bonded with adamantium, eh? To make your bones virtually unbreakable. He says everything he has, everything he is, rides on this mission. Wolverine, he can't, he won't fail. So it just makes me wonder, they, what would happen? I mean, because he failed, so. I don't know. I mean, I think in future Alpha Flight and X-Men, we'll get more backstory on these the characters' relationship. So, I, I don't know. We flip to the next page. Meanwhile, back at Xavier's, and we get... Um, and it actually a couple of pages that's kind of interesting. Um, Lilandra is Lil- kind of exploring the mansion, and Lilandra's a smart, sophisticated, sexy space alien in a world she didn't make. Look at her <laughs> this summer. <laughs> this summer, Lilandra on Earth. What is this? Oh, how quaint! It's something you sleep on. Mm, not much better than the ground, I think. Where's the suspensor field? Oh, those silly humans. These pictures are solid. They don't even change. No holographic display at all. And when you want to change one and look at a different person, you have to change out the entire unit. How inconvenient. Insert laugh track. (laughs) (laughs) She goes into the shower to try to figure out how it works because she... This this Terran fresher will calm my nerves. This is only this is the only control, so it must activate the system. The computer ah. must handle the and she gets splashed in the face with freezing cold ice water that melts her. <laughs> A purely mechanical contrivance. I should have realized. Is this their primary means of cleansing their bodies, subjecting themselves to a sluice of water? Hardly a monument to efficiency. And the professor rolls in with a shit-eating grin. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, I just got done eating some poop. Well, here's a uh, towel for you. (laughs) Yes, that's what we call water. I should have given you a better tour through the household. And then we get a kind of creepy scene where they, I don't know. uh, This whole thing creeps me out. Well, she's like... uh, Your beloved? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pry. It's just the word was so clear in your thoughts, even though you didn't speak it aloud. I wish I was as sensitive. I know so much of you, Charles Xavier, yet... Blah, 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 blah. I'm nervous and vulnerable. Let me change that. My (laughs) barriers are down, baby. (laughs) I can place you within my mind. And once there, you can roam where you will. Let there be no secrets against between us. And no fears. Creepy. <laughs> and they go in for the kiss. <laughs> and we flip back to the film buff scene with Nightcrawler. Uh, but we can flip to the very end of the comic book. Page 21, which happens right after the original The End of the comic book. 
things are going to get worse. And it turns out that the popping noise that um, Alpha or Weapon Alpha made was him disappearing and then allowing the Earth's rotation to rotate and then for him to come out of wherever he was and basically be where he was when he left, but the Earth's rotation turned so much that now he's back in Canada or something. Which makes no sense <laughs> at all. <laughs> I, momentarily, I momentarily came to rest in relation to the Earth spinning on its axis, eh? So that I stayed still while the planet kept rotating beneath me. Uh, just like the hockey that I watched the other day. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> and the, lateral, uh, the literal blink of an eye, I'm hundreds of miles away, west of where I was. Great, terrific, wonderful. My battle suit works like a charm, eh? Provided I use it uh, to run from a fight. Much like we made Aww. that other hockey team run away. I don't know anything about hockey. Uh, <laughs> what's a good hockey team? Uh, the New York Rangers? I don't know. Wayne Gretzky. Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> He's a Canadian. He likes the Maple Leafs. Oh, yeah. He's wearing a freaking Maple Leaf. <laughs> That's right. The Mighty Ducks. There we go. Let's go with them. Yeah, we made, <laughs> we made a mess of those Mighty Ducks, eh? Really, really turned him inside out. Weapon Alpha is self-doubting himself. Oh, like he's, I shouldn't be acting so crazy with this superhero game I've played. Uh, it's no game, I understand now. Eh? Not like hockey where I can play and I don't get hurt. <laughs> he's also upset that he could have killed Moira McTaggart, and maybe he did. Oh, He feels really bad about it, which is an important point. That, that is an important point. So he heads that, that point justifies this additional page, I think. Right. So he heads back home, and uh, we meet Heather Hudson. Well, we don't know that yet, but Heather. And uh, she wants to know if he could use, Hey, hey, you want some tea, Mac, eh? Or something stronger, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Heather, I could, I could really use a hug, eh? He thought he knew what he was doing, but Wolverine made it look so easy. Ah, uh, let, let someone else wear the suit then, Mac. There's no law that says you have to, eh? It's my responsibility. I created Alpha Flight, and come what may, no matter how hard or how long it takes, I'm going to prove myself worthy to lead it, eh? So I believe this whole last page is kind of reiterating what was, uh, what John Byrne wrote in Alpha Flight number 17, which came out in 1984. Okay. And he writes and does the art for it, um... I did a quick read through of it. Uh, the the cover is a redrawing by John Byrne of Dave Cockrum's cover, which is oh, kind of neat. I like Dave Cockrum's better, to be honest. Oh, I do too. But I like the fact that John Byrne didn't try to draw his own. And essentially, what this is is a flashback issue. I gather that uh, he's now called Vindicator. Yes, which and is he has just died. And... So. Oh. I guess he died last issue, issue 16. So, what's her face? Heather is uh, remembering. She's she's in the hospital, too, and Wolverine is visiting her. So, Vindicator died and never came back? Well, I don't know if he came back. I'm sure he came back. Everybody oh. comes back. But this is just after he died, maybe for the first time. And Wolverine talks about a shaman. So, I'm assuming this is when the X-Men are in Australia or something. No, this this issue was published in 1984, and the X-Men weren't in Australia until 88 or 89. But I think there was a, a character on Alpha Flight who was called the Shaman. Oh, okay. There's Puck. Did he, and... did he visit Wolverine and say, like, 
Hey, Wolverine, you should come visit Heather. She's in the hospital. Oh, and Mac died. I have no idea. The lineup that I'm familiar with is Sasquatch, Puck, Vindicator. Uh, what was Heather's code name? Well, at this point, she doesn't have a code oh, name. Okay, whatever she was. And uh, I think Shaman was one of the team members. So, anyways. So, she and Wolverine are reminiscing about stuff. And uh, then we get the exact same pages where uh, from this very issue uh, with some additional panels of uh, him getting a vindicator or rather weapon alpha getting dropped off. This is the first practical test I've given my battle suit. You know, I hope our shields really are up to his claws. You know, it's a. You know what's weird is that in this issue, Jimmy is spelled J-I-M-M-Y, but in the issue we just read, it was spelled J-I-M-M-I-E. Oh, I hate stuff like that. <laughs> Why can't these people keep their naming consistent? He talks about how he has to keep Wolverine off guard, and in order to do that, he's going to have to put him in one of his berserker furies. Hmm. So I guess that's what he does. Then we get the all the same pages, which is kind of weird. If you don't really know who these X-Men are, you get some really personal stuff about Colossus and Storm. Yeah. You're probably like, I don't care about this. There's no setup for what's happening here, which is kind of weird. And this is where we get our uh, first time I've tried that little trick. I knew it would work, but I had no idea it would be such a wrenching experience. By using the gravity control of my suit, eh? I was able to render myself at rest relative to the turning of the earth below me. That gave me an instant velocity, eh? Over a thousand miles an hour. I was a hundred miles due west before the X-Men even knew I was gone, eh? Your Canadian accent is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But so this was written before the classic X-Men was. So the classic X-Men is just like, all right, well, let's just take what John Byrne wrote and throw it right here. Exactly. Um. He's uh, bummed out and he says, you know, he's, he's again, that's right, Jimmy boy, bury your real thoughts and technical analysis. Don't bother thinking about that poor woman you almost killed back there. Okay. So bringing it all back. Whatever else happens, there's an awful lot I have to vindicate. I shall become, I shall become a vindicator, eh? And then we go back to reminiscing and that's when Wolverine says, uh, Where's that shaman? Oh, this short dude here. His name is Puck. Yeah, Puck Puck shows up. This is what the shaman was trying to tell me. The guilt, the anguish. She's she's bottled up inside herself. And it's crazy. It's wrong. Yeah, she's upset. She thinks, when Dr. Doom attacks the Fantastic Four, does he give them 40 minutes so that they can get the civilians out of the Baxter breathing? No, but Mac, Mac always tried. Like the Fantastic Four wouldn't try. What, what the heck she's talking about? <laughs> anyway, Puck shows up. Wolverine and him, I guess, meet for the first time and decide to go out for a beer later. Hey. Sure. And uh, yeah. Who's and the... Heather takes over the leadership of the team. Who's this naked woman in the jar? I guess that's Aurora. Oh, okay. That's uh, what's his night, or that's what's his face's sister. Oh. Uh, the gay... she speaks. She speaks French. Jean Pierre, uh, the gay guy. Oh, uh, yeah. North that guy. North Star. North Star. Yeah, they're they're brother and sister. Okay. Yeah. 
So is he like giving her powers or something? It looks like she has powers, but he's enhancing them. Oh, cool. She's naked. She, she's doing some, <laughs> some sort of molecular realignment. C'est bien, mon cher, Walter. Whenever you're ready. And then she puts on her groovy costume and he says, Holy cow! I thought you were hot when you were naked. Now look <laughs> at you! <laughs> no, he actually says, Holy cow, eh? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, anyways. And then uh, that's the end of the issue. So going back to our classic X-Men, we now get a the the, the stupid story uh, called Dearest Friend. Uh, it's just like a wall of words hits you. <laughs> like a frying pan over the head. We get a motorcycler running from the cops. We cut to <gasps> some other cops that are uh, searching Sean Cassidy for... Uh, drugs or something i don't know <laughs> sure contraband. he's hitchhiking and they decide they don't like him the uh the this particular cop takes a dis an extreme dislike to him and decides he's going to take him back to the office and rough him up but the motorcycler then shows up kicks the two off the side of the road and says get on bucko it's another motorcycle they... well it's the motorcycle from the first page is it yeah are you sure i'm positive okay Banshee was hitchhiking. No. All right. He the was story, walking. This story was so boring that it was very difficult for me to pay attention to who was doing what. Yeah. There's a car chase. A bunch of the cars get lost to the motorcycle. And then these crazy uh, guys that were holding up Banshee really have something against Banshee, and they end up driving the motorcycle. Uh, uh, he shoots the tires out, and the motorcycle flies into the river, and they're going to drown. But then Banshee flies and picks her up and drives oh, uh, the mysterious motorcycler up and takes her back to Cassidy Keep. Don't forget that right. the cop was like, I'll get you, you pesky kid. I'm not going to forget this. This yeah, isn't he's over. He's basically uh, a total jerk. He, he says, that moment of terror before the inescapable end it is meat and drink to him. He grins broadly, triumphantly. I think but then it, I get away, so he's upset. It is sort of important that we mention that this story is uh, steeped in Ireland's political happenings or whatever, like the North versus the South. And this guy pulled him over because he's like, "Oh, you're Irish. What part of Ireland are you from? Oh, that's you're uh, you're on the wrong side of the tracks, boy. Oh, oh, that's why he thinks he's a terrorist. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that actually, I didn't, I didn't even consider that. Yeah, no. this takes place in in the past. Like, Sean Cassidy is a teenager. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that whole thing's still going on, Adam. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just... <laughs> but yes, yes. Uh, he is a teenager. This is. Uh, it took me a while to figure out, like, is this John Bolton's kind of uh, minimalistic artwork, or is he really trying to make Sean Cassidy look young? And it's the latter. So hmm. that's what uh, the cop is like. Oh, you're from the wrong side of the tracks. You're from, I can't remember if it's the Protestant side or the other side or whatever, but... Whatever, they're on opposing sides. And, and Banshee, he doesn't really care. He's like, oh, I was just up here for a concert, you know. You should check them out sometime. They're a good musical act. And the cop doesn't. Leonard so. Skinner, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Leonard Skinner. Well, Merle Haggard. I love Merle Haggard. Hi, <laughs> Ty. Okay, so anyways. Uh, so the motorcyclist takes off her mask, and it's a beautiful girl. And uh, 
she's like, oh, you're a mutant. That's crazy. And he's like, yeah, it's it's totally crazy. And this is a nice home. And boy, oh, boy. And then Tom Cassidy shows up and says, hey, how's it going? And he's all dashing and handsome. And, and essentially, they both start dating her. Which is Some weird. time passes. But I guess she really likes Sean. But then the cop finally finds Sean and drives him off the road because he's on a motorcycle. I warned you, chamo. Someday, somehow, we would meet again and I'd get even. And so he runs him off the road. Sean comes home and says, uh, and he's all messed up and he has to go to bed and get patched up. And he says, uh, Tom... I was going to take the girl, what was her name, Maeve, Maeva? Maeve, Maeve, something like that, I don't know. And out tonight, but I'm all all beat up, so so you go and explain and tell her not to worry. And so Tom gets up, dressed up in his best, and goes and picks her up, and he doesn't tell her anything about Banshee, and then he has like a, a silent thought war with himself. Should I tell her? If I keep silent, I've won and she'll be mine. But but no, I can't do it. She's in pain because she cares for him so deeply and thinks he's betrayed her. It's more than I can bear. And he tells her the truth that she he crashed and she's taking his place. And then she says, I, I didn't want to tell you because I wanted you badly. And she walks away and he says, do you hate me, Maeve, for what I've done? Hey, those of you in, in Glasgow... Can you let us know how this name is pronounced? It's M-A-E-V-E. Maeve? Maeve. For being, for being true, for caring for me more than yourself, no matter the cost. Oh, Tom, how could I ever hate the man who's proved himself my dearest friend? Ooh, dis hardcore. Yeah, he just got like the friend thing. Like, it ain't happening. We're, He's been friend blocked. <laughs> we're friends. Uh, and, and another interesting note: uh, this story was so long in tooth, but uh, they needed the extra page, so this last page again is on the back cover. You know, it's a bad story when it's on the back cover, <laughs> or the inside back cover, I should say. And right, uh, and then the back cover itself has a picture of um, Sean flying Maeve away from the cop. Yeah, uh, interesting story. I mean, I guess for whatever reason, Chris Claremont was like, let's show Black Tom Cassidy has a heart. Yeah. How about that? And so there you go. Does uh, Is there like a reason for giving Black Tom Cassidy a heart? Is it important? I have no idea. I don't know when the next time we actually see Black Tom Cassidy is in the pages of X-Men, but for whatever reason, Claremont's like, we got to do this story and we got to do it now. Clearly. I mean, never mind maybe doing an Alpha Flight story. No, I don't even know. I hate these backup stories. (laughs) (laughs) Even when I think that they're going to be a good idea, like the, well, I guess the Star Jammers backup story was not that bad. I like that one, actually, I think. Yeah, some of them are all right. It's just most of them are not. (laughs) Yes, most of them are not. Most of them are very wordy and boring. So, I don't know, maybe... They don't add anything, which is part of the problem. Right, maybe 
maybe I mean, you know, Claremont is now a novelist, right? So maybe he was using this as his practice bed for like really writing good three, three hundred and fifty page novels. Does that explain the whole uh, novel episode with the depressed novelist? Could be. You never know. Maybe that was like his, if we should go back into his uh, his uh, authorology or whatever the hell you call it, um, maybe he was stuck on a book and that he's like, oh, I'll just write this in, in the pages of the X-Men. That's how I'll work it out. <laughs> Who knows? Anyways, uh, there you go, folks. Uh, that was classic X-Men. Woohoo! One other thing we missed that I don't know if it's important or not, but in the um, classic X-Men tale, Lilandra says while she's slipping around about in the bathroom that uh, she has two hearts. So She's a time lord. <laughs> exactly. That was the th- first thing I thought of when she mentioned that whole two heart thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the uh, doctor is, or the uh, professor will be her companion. Yeah. A little role reversal there. Well, have there ever, have there ever been, any, been any companions in wheelchairs? Not that I know of. Oversight. <laughs> Anything else, Adam? Uh, I read some Avengers issues, which didn't really amount to anything except for I think what is the true first appearance of Oh My Stars and Garters. Okay, is is that it then? Yeah, that that's it. All right then. Until next week, the danger room is closed, eh? This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. Okay. Good day and welcome to our single. I'm Bob McKenzie and this is my brother Doug. How's it going, eh? Beauty, eh? Yeah, I like that. Okay. Okay. okay, everyone, this record was my idea. Get out! It was. You're lying. He hose hit here just sort of rid on my coattails. Why are you doing this? It was our idea together, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. We agreed to, to say that, but... Oh, take off.